Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a new book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and published by Harvest House Publishers is a resource that'll help you share your faith with Latter-day Saint friends and loved ones. Order your copy of Introducing Christianity to Mormons at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Well, as we began announcing on Monday, we are pleased to say that we have, in fact, found a building that will house the new Utah Christian Research Center. We mentioned back in March on this program that we were merely praying about whether to move forward with something like that. And through a lot of of your encouragement, a lot of your prayerful support and financial support, we have closed on a building. And it's the main floor of a two-story building, I should say. And we will be opening up in the future. We don't know exactly when, but when we do have that date, we will most certainly let you know. But we are pleased to say that we are, in fact, moving forward on that. So we're just talking about what we hope to offer. Bill, before we go on any further, I just want to mention, if you want to stay in touch with us as far as when we're going to open and other things like that, you can go to our website, utahchristianresearchcenter.com. It's one word, utahchristianresearchcenter.com. And if you would like to get on an email list that will be sent out occasionally discussing some of the upcoming events that we'll be having, when the opening date is, all of that, you can email me at eric at mrm.org, E-R-I-C at mrm.org. And occasionally I'll be sending out emails for those who would like to know more. Because let's just be honest, our newsletter, our update... Uh, We're not going to be given a lot of information like this. This is up-to-date information that only those on that email list will get, as well as the website. We'll have a lot of updated information if you want to use the website. Yeah, I would strongly encourage you to get on that email list that Eric just mentioned, because our printing schedule is pretty firm. And so if something comes up in between, then obviously... Eric will be able to get the information out to you much faster than our newsletter will. Not that our newsletter will not have this kind of information. It will, but it may not be as timely as we would hope. But as we've mentioned, we've been wanting to do something like this ever since Eric and I volunteered at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore. Sandra Tanner, who owned that store, has since retired. The bookstore has closed. We had a lot of people asking if we might be interested in starting something like that. Of course, we were were interested in that. Uh, For many years, Eric and I had been discussing the possibility of not only having a place where people can go to get printed resources on the subject of Mormonism, but we've also wanted to add to that other topics that face Christians today. And so really what you could say we're wanting to do is offer material that will help a Christian better understand just about any type of criticisms that may be against what Christians believe and hold to. 
And so we're not only going to have printed material on the subject of Mormonism, but of course other apologetic subjects. How do we respond to the challenge of atheism? Now you might think, is that really a big deal in Utah? Oh yes it is, because one thing I found when we were volunteering at Sanders Bookstore, we had a lot of former LDS who were now atheists, and it was amazing how little they knew about atheism, but yet they were jumping into that religion with about as much fervor as they jumped into Mormonism and then realized that that wasn't true. So that is a challenge here in the Salt Lake Valley because many Latter-day Saints who, when they leave the church, end up becoming agnostic or atheist. I wish that was not true, but it happens to be. I personally think the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints primes the pump for that, especially the way they poison the well when it comes to the authenticity of the Bible. And so we hope to have resources and people on staff that will be able to answer questions about that subject. When we volunteered for Sandra at the Utah Lighthouse bookstore, we really had to hone up on our ability to talk about atheistic ideas and be able to give reasons for the belief in God or the Bible or whatever it was. I found myself, Phil, talking more about those issues with non-Christians than anything having to do with Mormonism, because you're right, they kind of made that transition, and it just seems like Mormonism really breeds a distrust of the Bible, and even in God himself, so we need to be able to do that as Christians here in Utah, not just understand Mormonism and Christianity, but we need to also understand what the atheist viewpoint is all about. Didn't you find it odd, though, Eric? I don't want to get off the subject, but since we're talking about this, I always found it very odd that we had a lot of former LDS come into the store who somehow felt that because Joseph Smith betrayed them, that Jesus betrayed them? And when I would ask the question that way, like, what what did Jesus do to you that you're just rejecting any belief in his existence? Because any historian worth his salt would tell you that Jesus was a real human being. He was a part of human history. Now, you may not believe he is God manifest in the flesh. The Bible certainly does point in that direction. But some of them didn't even believe he existed after they left the LDS church, which I find fascinating because that's just silly. Now, I know there are atheists out there that promote that kind of idea. It's ridiculous, but still they're out there. And it's sad that many people latch on to this. Well, Jesus was just a, a fairy tale, just like Christianity is a fairy tale. Uh, I beg to differ with you on that. And this is why one of the things that we hope to have in this center, as we're calling it, is we want to have artifacts that demonstrate that the Bible is a book that talks about real people, real places, and real events. So we are going to have on display some of these historical artifacts that tend to show that people mentioned, let's say, in the Old Testament, such as obscure people that many people are not even all that familiar with, like Sennacherib or people like that. There are sources outside of the Bible that talk about these people. Tiglath-Pileser III. Now, who, how many people talk about him over dinner at night? Probably not too many. But we're going to show that these kind of people 
mentioned in the Bible really existed. Now, you might argue, do you have artifacts or displays that will verify everybody in the Bible? Well, no, of course not. But at least you will see that this is, in fact, a book that has value when it comes to historical subjects. And it does talk about people that really existed in places that really exist. You're exactly right on that, Bill. In fact, there have been 85 people from the Bible who have been uh, known to be actual people based on archaeology. Now, we don't have those exact pieces in our museum. We're not going to be able to have every piece, but we're going to have archaeology such as uh, bowls and plates and and uh, lamps and other things like that that come from two, three, or 4,000 years ago, a variety of different things that will be on display. We'll also have pieces of the Bible, such as Torah scrolls, pieces of the Torah scroll from different books that will be on our walls. We're going to have representation of Bibles that have been printed over the years. In fact, we have two King James Version Bibles from 1630 and 1634. We're going to have at least one of those on display at all times, as well as a 1615 Geneva Bible. We're going to be telling people a lot about how we got our English Bible. So that's going to be a big part of what this is about, because in Mormonism, the eighth article of faith, the Bible is true as far as it's translated correctly, is a misnomer. And we want to explain why it is that we can trust the Bible that we have today. So those are going to be educational pieces that we're going to have throughout our bookstore so that people will be able to come and view that. If you want to see the best stuff, you're going to need to either go to Israel or maybe go to the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., which is going to be much bigger and better than anything we're going to have. But we're going to have a sampling of that, and hopefully it will be a valuable experience for people to actually see these things. We are looking into purchasing a number of replicas, such as the Cyrus Cylinder, for instance, or the Taylor Prism, that talk about some of these people in the Bible's past. And, of course, they are replicas, but it may surprise a lot of people that many of the artifacts in museums are replicas. There's only going to be one original of a lot of things, and only one museum can have it. So if another museum has something on that, you know it's a replica. Well, you might say, well, uh, does that carry the same weight? I think it carries a lot of weight because it's a a three-dimensional display showing you what this thing looks like. Based on an archaeological find, we're going to have the history of this item, uh, perhaps a photograph of, of the original and where it can be found today, which shows it does really exist. But see, I don't know if even a lot of Latter-day Saints really realize this, because when you say, well, we believe the Bible as far as it's translated correctly, Article 8, you know that most of their own scholars, that's not really what they're saying. They're trying to give you the impression that our Bible was not transmitted accurately over the years, and we will have resources showing that that just is not true. Bill, we're going to have a whole display on LDS pieces. We're going to have many copies of the Book of Mormon that go back to even the 1850s we have in our possession. But Bill, tell us a little more about what the LDS part of the museum is going to look like. We're going to have the lead plates that Sandra had on display at her bookstore. We we are going to have those on display, as well as my 80-pound gold plates, the replica that I used to take out to the Mormon Miracle Pageant for years. And we're also going to have on display my 50-pound 
gold plates that are also made out of sheet metal. And you might say, well, why are you doing that? Well, because there are Mormon apologists and even one Mormon apostle that argued that the gold plates that Joseph Smith had in his possession weighed only around 117 pounds. That was John Witzo, who was a Mormon apostle, who said that. And he thought that 117 pounds was an easy weight for someone like Joseph Smith to carry around. Well, okay, well, we're going to put it to the test. This is why we've asked Sandra if it would be okay if we had those lead plates in our facility. And she didn't even own them. We had to talk to the person who actually did own them, and he gave us permission to have them. And so we are going to have them on display so people can lift them in, at our place, just as they were able to lift them at Sandra's bookstore. And oftentimes we would have people come in just to do that. And there are other arguments that say that the plates probably weighed as light as 80 pounds. Okay, well, we're going to have an 80-pound set of gold plates for people to lift. And then you have some Mormon apologists who have argued that the gold plates probably weighed as light as around 53 pounds. Well, that's where my 50-pound plates come into play. And you're going to see that none of these weights work. Nobody could take these artifacts and duplicate what Joseph Smith supposedly did with the gold plates that he claimed to have had, but of course were only seen by him because the witnesses themselves who said that they saw the plates, when you look at that story a bit closer, you realize that they probably saw them with the eye of faith, with a spiritual eye. So they really didn't lift tangible plates. And even some Mormon historians will admit to this. Well, we'll have that story there for people to, to read and learn for themselves, and hopefully they will see that there is a huge flaw in the story of the gold plates. But we're going to have other artifacts dealing with Mormon history as well, and we're going to talk about that in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.